0: Hi, this is Dr. Karen Horton. This is the last part of our three-part series discussing multi-detector CT and CT angiography in mesenteric ischemia. In this part, we're going to discuss chronic ischemia. This is also known as abdominal angina. and It typically is seen in older patients and results from chronic arterial insufficiency of the intestines related to atherosclerotic disease involving the mesenteric vessels. It is unusual, but an important etiology of abdominal pain in elderly patients. It actually only compromises approximately 5% of all intestinal ischemic events, but it does result in significant morbidity and mortality related to chronic abdominal pain in patients with extensive atherosclerotic disease. Females are affected more commonly than males, a three to one ratio. The mean age is 60. So typically, these are going to be in elderly patients, more common in smokers and in patients who have other risk factors for atherosclerotic disease, including uh, smoking, hypertension, diabetes. One-third of patients have hypertension and often have other signs of cardiovascular disease. So they may have already had a stroke or a heart attack. The etiology is typically atherosclerotic disease. So, just as it can affect the coronary vessels or other vessels, it can affect the mesenteric vessels. And usually, it will require occlusion of at least two of the three major mesenteric arteries to result in symptoms. And usually, that's going to be the superior mesenteric artery and the celiac artery, which are affected. Now you have to remember that atherosclerotic disease of the mesenteric vessels is a common incidental finding in elderly patients, especially at autopsy. The fact that you see atherosclerotic disease and calcifications on a CT scan uh, doesn't necessarily mean that the patient has chronic ischemia, so it's a common incidental finding. The key to identifying whether or not there could be ischemia is to look for collaterals. So asymptomatic patients could have atherosclerotic disease and calcification of the SMA and the celiac axis, but if it's not hemodynamically significant, the patient is unlikely to have symptoms. So what you want to look for is do you see significant stenosis, post stenotic dilatation, do you see the development of collaterals, which would signify that there um, is definitely hemodynamically significant stenosis and the patient could have ischemic symptoms. Long-term studies, however, have shown that the risk of developing symptoms in an asymptomatic patient with significant atherosclerotic disease, so let's say greater than 50% stenosis of the mesenteric arteries, is very high. So up to 86% of these patients with significant stenosis, even if they're asymptomatic, can go on to develop symptoms, and the overall mortality rate is about 40%. So clearly it's something you want to mention on your reports. Also, stenosis of greater than 50% is present in up to 18% of patients older than 65, but few of them have symptoms. So it's very common. doesn't necessarily mean that the patient has chronic ischemia, but it's something you want to mention in your report and try to quantitate, if possible, whether it's greater or less than 50%, because as I just mentioned, if it's greater than 50%, there's a very high chance that the patient will become symptomatic in the future. Symptoms occur gradually because it's related to a gradual reduction in blood flow over time and the blood flow to the intestines is very redundant. So usually the symptoms will occur gradually as blood flow to the gut is reduced. Remember, in in normal patient, blood flow to the intestines is usually 20% at a resting state and 35% after a meal. So it's usually after a meal that the system is tested. So in patients with chronic ischemia, they often develop symptoms after a meal. The presentation of intestinal angina or chronic ischemia is usually epigastric pain after a meal due to increased demand for mesenteric blood flow. The pain usually occurs 15 minutes to 60 minutes after a meal and can last for several hours. Because of this, the patients often present with weight loss secondary to the pain, and they also change the way they eat, so they'll be eating less um, in order to avoid the pain and they may also get weight loss because of the damage to the mucosa. So basically chronic ischemia in the gut will impair absorption. Cytophobia is the fear of food or eating. So people may unconsciously stop eating or eat less in order to avoid the symptoms of pain. And the complaints usually exist for a year or more before the patients actually seek treatment. Now because atherosclerosis occurs slowly over the years, patients will develop typical collateral pathways in an effort to keep the intestines perfused. So as these SMA and celiac axis become narrows, these collateral vessels develop in order to keep the blood supply to the bowel adequate. Symptoms will occur eventually if the collaterals are not adequate. Two major collateral pathways are common. The first is the pancreatic arteries, which connect the celiac axis and the SMA. They can flow in either direction, depending on where the site of occlusion is. We have the arc of Rheoland and the marginal artery of Drummond, which allow communication between the SMA and the IMA. And then in severe cases, where the celiac SMA and IMA are compromised, you can develop strange collaterals. So these are the pelvic vessels, lumbar vessels, or the phrenic collateral vessels will form in order to keep the blood supply to the gut. The diagnosis of chronic ischemia is typically made with angiography, and that's the gold standard. But there are other less invasive ways to suggest the diagnosis. Duplex ultrasound, especially of the proximal arteries, can be performed. This is typically done pre and post-prandial to try to test the system after a meal. And this looks at the vessel and measures the blood flow and the response to the meal. MRA MRI is very safe in patients who can't get iodinated contrast and also can be done pre and post preandial. But typically, when we're worried about chronic ischemia, we'll do CT and CT angiography. You get better visualization than conventional angiography because you can see further out in the vessels. You can look at any projection you want to. And also, you won't just see the narrowing. You'll actually see the plaque. So you'll see the calcification or the soft plaque. And also, you'll be able to see the extrinsic structure. So you'll be able to look at how the bowel is enhancing. This is a nice article by Strukel. 52 patients underwent both four-slice CT and conventional angiography, and the CT was accurate in imaging the aorta and its branches. Four patients with SMA stenosis and three with IMA occlusion were all diagnosed with the CT, so CT definitely can be used as a first-line modality. The treatment for chronic ischemia is usually related to revascularization, so it will be either surgical, meaning a bypass graft, which can be retrograde or antigrade, and usually from the external iliac vessels. Or you can do transaortic endarterectomy, so try to remove that area of plaque or stenosis. Recurrence at three years is usually 11% of patients who underwent surgical endarterectomy or bypass graft. The Mayo Clinic published a study five-year graft patency rate was 90%, 54% and 0% with either three-vessel, two-vessel, or one-vessel bypass, respectively. Other treatments include catheter-based interventions. So these are embolectomy, thrombolysis, angioplasty, or stenting. And the long-term data with stenting is a little bit limited, but we're definitely going towards angiography and interventional radiology instead of straight-to-surgical treatment. And there's also some indication that you may only need to treat one of the vessels. If there's a high-grade stenosis, however greater than 70%, you may need to treat both. But in some patients, you may get away with just treating one of the vessels, and that will... Result in adequate blood flow through the collaterals. When you're looking at the CT findings in a patient you suspect chronic ischemia, you're going to be looking for calcified and non-calcified atherosclerotic plaque. And typically, this is going to be at the origin of the celiac SMA and less commonly IMA. A hemodynamically significant stenosis is greater than 50%. You will also see small attenuated vessels, kind of pruning of the vessels, and then the collaterals. You're going to look for, um, again, the atheroma, usually at the proximal, within a couple of centimeters of the origin. Diffuse atherosclerosis of a vessel is uncommon, but you can see it sometimes in patients with advanced diabetes or in severe renal disease. They can have symptoms even if there's not a critical narrowing. It's just because the vessel in itself over a long segment is narrowed. Here's an example of a patient with calcified atherosclerotic plaque at the origin of the celiac axis and SMA. This is an incidental finding in a patient. It does not necessarily mean the patient has ischemia, but it's something you want to mention in your report. You want to look carefully to see if there's any narrowing of the vessel greater than 50%. Here's a sagittal projection of the same patient, and you see there's just a big chunk of calcium there at the origin of the celiac and SMA. This is a patient with extensive atherosclerotic disease involving the SMA celiac axis and aorta, and you can see there's even an aneurysm of the celiac axis. In this patient, you can see that there's a significant stenosis of the celiac axis. It's just a tiny string sign. The SMA looks fine. Here's a patient on the axial image on your left. You'll see prominent vessels around the head of the pancreas. Right away, then, you should think that there's a stenosis of the celiac axis because these are dilated pancreatic duodenal arteries and through the gastroduodenal artery to the SMA. So that's one of the collateral pathways which we discussed. And here you can see in this patient, you definitely see that narrowing at the proximal portion of the celiac axis. Here's another patient where it was an incidental finding. You can see a tight stenosis of the SMA. Here's a patient, you can see the celiac axis, and the SMA is actually occluded, and when you look very carefully, it's gonna be filling retrograde through the marginal artery of Drummond, and you can see this large collateral vessel. So this is the pathway between the SMA and the IMA. Here's another patient with chronic ischemia. You can see the celiac axis, the SMA is occluded, and you can see these large collateral vessels. Here's a volume rendering with color on the same patient. Here's a patient with chronic ischemia due to atherosclerotic disease involving a large segment of the SMA. And you can see that although there isn't one tight stenosis, it's a long segment of the vessel that's involved and can result in symptoms. Here's a patient who has undergone vascular graft. So you can see on the left image is a sagittal view with extensive calcification of the celiac axis in the SMA, and basically they're occluded. In the right image, you can see that there's a vascular graft with two limbs. One's going to the SMA and one is going to the IMA. Here's another patient with chronic ischemia who has undergone graft, bypass graft. And you can see in this case that there's a graft coming from the right common iliac artery and there's two limbs to the graft, one to the SMA and one to the IMA. Here's another look at that same patient in volume rendering and you can nicely image the patency of the grafts with CT. You can also do this with ultrasound, but it tends to be a little bit more difficult to locate these. There are other non atheromatous causes of ischemia. For instance, vasculitis, and we've discussed some of the vasculitis already, this can cause chronic ischemic symptoms as well as acute ischemia. Fibromuscular dysplasia, patients with median arcuate ligament syndrome, radiation can cause scarring and narrowing of the vessels and can also result in ischemia. Tumors can encase the mesenteric vessels Typically, this won't result in acute symptoms because the tumors grow slowly over time, but at the end, they can be narrow enough where the collaterals won't be adequate. And in that case, the patients can present with symptoms. And then, rarely, you can have venous thrombosis or stenosis, and they can result in symptoms of chronic ischemia. Just to mention a couple of those, median arcuate ligament syndrome. This is a fibrous arch, which unites the crura on either side of the diaphragm. It usually crosses anterior to the aorta above the level of the celiac axis. But in about 15% of people, it crosses lower across the proximal part of the celiac axis. And it can cause stenosis and symptoms in a small percentage of patients. Typically, this is worse on expiration. So in some people, it's a normal variation. You can see during angiography and you can see it becomes tight during expiration, but then opens up on inspiration. But of course, CT is done at inspiration. So the fact that if you see this significant stenosis, it may be important, especially in patients that are symptomatic. The diagnosis is somewhat controversial, and some people argue whether or not it causes pain, but clearly there are reported cases where this is the case, it's been surgically corrected, and the patient's symptoms resolve. The diagnosis can be made on CT angiography or conventional angiography. Here's an example of the diaphragm in the CRUS, and here you can see the median arcuate ligament on the left, typically crosses above the level of the celiac axis, and on the right image, it is crossing on the proximal portion of the celiac axis causing this tight stenosis, and it gives a characteristic hooked appearance. Here's a normal celiac axis. Here's one where you can see a little kink due to the median arcuate ligament, but not a significant stenosis. And in this case, you can see that hook and a very tight stenosis with post-stenotic dilatation. And again, in this case, you have dilated gastroduodenal and pancreaticoduodenal arteries that are helping supply the celiac axis past the stenosis from the SMA. So in conclusion, continued advancements in CT and computer t- technology has allowed better visualization of the bowel in general, and specifically CT angiography allows excellent visualization of the mesenteric vessels. And because of this, we can use CT now to image the small intestine and the mesenteric vessels. and in c- Specifically, we can look at it to look at patients with suspected acute or chronic mesenteric ischemia, and in general, to evaluate patients with acute abdominal pain. Thank you.